yeah, today on the show, mercy through a child's eyes, riding your way out of a funk, the France's option, our picks of the week, and so much more. The Catholic Underground starts right now. <laughs> well, hi there. Yeah, it is uh, time for the CU Weekly. We are the podcast that tries to cut through the noise of the digital continent and bring you the topics that matter. It's episode number 330, I do believe. Yes, 330. Uh, It's 330 somewhere, and that's here. Uh, Yeah, I'm Father Chris Decker. You know me. And then, of course, joining us, we've got Kathleen Lee. She's a religion teacher. She's the campus minister at Archbishop Chappelle High School in Metairie, Louisiana. Mm-hmm. She's our locally sourced faith ninja. We ship her in fresh every mm-hmm. Sunday. Yeah. Hey, Kathleen. Yeah, I'm feeling fresh today. Funky fresh, <laughs> as it were. Yep. Yeah. I love a good uh, <laughs> a good uh, paradox. Funky good. fresh, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's nice. Olivia Galino is our resident paradox and uh, student of life <laughs> and Italian food critic. Hello, Olivia. Hey, Father. You, did you finish with uh, exams? Uh, no, but I finished with a significant the exam, big one. So the big one, one of the big ones, one yeah, of the big right. fish to fry. So. Uh, speaking of fish to fry, we go up to space now. Jeff Blackwell is a technical director of the CU. He's the commandant of the Jeff Star One near Earth orbit satellite, and he swims in from space. Hey, Jeff. Yeah, it's cold out here too. Let me tell you. That's right. No one can hear you scream, especially if you need a coat. That's right. Uh, we got uh, Ed Ball and Katie, the Cat Lady Richard, who's a uh, video and graphics. If you're watching us on the stream or on Facebook Live. And we sure actually hope that you are, um, because uh, we we um, we enjoy the Facebook interaction. Yeah. So, uh, so Kathleen's in the chat room there, and she's interacting with folk. I am interacting. That's right. With people, mm-hmm. ask Kathleen questions in the yeah, chat. Yeah, let can, me know. You can. I'll you tell can you what. I'll tell you the ins and outs. Yeah, that's right. The, the show behind secrets. The scenes. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Right. There are many secrets. So one of the things that's not secret, though. Is um, we are award winning now. Yeah. Yay! Like Catholic Community Radio is award winning. Um, our our uh, quasi parent organization, our partner in broadcasting, is Catholic Community Radio, and um, EWTN uh, has a, a global Catholic radio conference every year. And uh, didn't know Jeff that uh, that they were actually going to give an award out. Um, and this came in the mail, huh? It did. Well, we uh, with, along with a phone call a couple of days before that. Uh, about two months ago, Jack Williams at EWTN had asked us to send in our top of the hour IDs, and they were going to basically play it for everyone who mm-hmm. attended the conference. And this is the this is the thing that we're required to play at the top of every hour on the radio station. Mm-hmm. Just like on your television station, you might notice there's a little thing at the bottom of the screen at the top of the hour that tells you what you're watching. Same thing yeah, with the audio. Basically, call letters, city of license yeah. are, are the two primary things you need in there. Right. So uh, Exactly. But uh, we have 15 seconds to do that. Mm-hmm. And uh, so uh, I really, this is one that I prayed about to really, um, uh, to, to magnify our faith, focus yep. on what it is we believe as Catholics and that, uh, that scripture, you know, the way, the truth, the life came to mind, but, uh, would you like to hear it? I think yeah. we should. Yeah. Because of, be of, of all the um, IDs in the country, those that were submitted, they chose ours. It Yay. sounds like this. The way. Our catechism. The true. Holy scripture. The life. Catholic tradition. Now more than ever. WQNO. The Almighty's 690. New Orleans. CatholicCommunityRadio.org. Or in our case, so, WPYR Baton Rouge. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Uh, we Since we, there are two stations there. At Catholic Community Radio, but uh, I think that that's very well done, yeah, and, yeah. and very professional sounding. So and I we, must add that yes. Father Chris, you did have a lot to do with that because oh, yeah. it was we were talking about uh, with all the turmoil in the country, and there there was uh, you know a couple of years that were were pretty wild, and mm-hmm. um, 
Uh, so we just we kept uh, telling our listeners we got to rely on our faith. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what's going to get us through this thing. And you said now more than ever we need that. And so it was sort of that was kind of like uh, what uh, the seed that kind of <laughs> made that grow. Yeah. And now we'll keep this close to uh, to the the bathroom, so that when <laughs> Kathleen goes to to check her hair, she can have a microphone uh-huh. to. So yeah. I can I can do. pretend. Yeah. <laughs> so so congratulations to Catholic Community Radio and, and yeah. to Jeff uh, for his voice for yeah. the top Thank of you. the Thank power you very ID. Much. So and to EWTN, the uh, all yeah. the affiliates who voted on that, we're deeply grateful. We certainly yes, are. Thank we you. certainly are. Alrighty, we move from that to yes. the other thing that is very public, and that is the close of the Year of Mercy. Mm-hmm. You'll remember that uh, the beginning of this past, uh, well, actually last year around this time, Pope Francis initiated the Extraordinary Jubilee of Mercy, and today the Feast of Christ the King, uh, whenever you're watching this, that's what's happened today, the Holy Father closed the Holy Door, and it won't be opened until the, the Jubilee year, um, more than likely. Uh, unless another extraordinary jubilee has come comes round, mm-hmm. so that would be 2025. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but the thing, of course, is that mercy does not end with the closing of the the holy door. It's a reminder to us to seek out the opportunities for God's mercy, especially in the sacraments of the church, and in the pious uh, actions and prayers within our church. And that's the whole idea of, of uh, gaining indulgences and things like that. So, um, the best way we know to to really find things true definition is to give them to children mm-hmm. because as as you know kids don't have filters right, right. And, and if they're under seven they usually have a pretty clear understanding of humanity and mm-hmm. all these things right and so uh, the, a fourth grade CCD class um, uh, of, of Patty Knapp um, was was kind of the guinea pig for this so she asked them to notice from week to week any instances of mercy in their family or among friends in the news or acts of mercy they perform themselves. And we wanted to share some of the responses with you. So here's one. Uh, I guess I won't read it in a kid's voice. I'll just, you know. Oh, but that is an option. Well, we were driving along, and my father's <laughs> in a hurry because we were late getting to my grandmother's. The woman driving in front of us stopped her car right in the middle of the road, and everyone was honking and driving around her, but my father stopped and got out to see if she needed help. And she did. Mm-hmm. She had a flat tire and had no idea what to do, so my father changed the tire for her. She was really happy, and I was really proud of my father. Aww. That's sweet. Mercy, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How many times, especially, uh, look, folks, I, I don't know where you're, you're, uh, you're watching or listening from, but I'll tell you that traffic uh, in, in Baton Rouge, <laughs> I would say that we could go up against L.A. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sometimes. Worst or, yeah. or, or Times Square, you know, it's just it's, it's horrendous traffic. And so if somebody is stopped for any reason, usually there's a vroom right around, you know, mm-hmm. after the rubbernecking, of course. Mm-hmm. But there's uh, I think the rubbernecking is so that you can be like mean face. Right. While you're oh, yeah. Give them the stare down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I unfortunately am very good at that. <laughs> Sorry, I'm sorry to all of you out there. So this is a perfect example of mercy, right? Yeah. Yeah, where um, dad got out. He saw that she did, in fact, need help. She didn't know how to change a tire. She had Mm -hmm. never had a flat tire before. Really awesome. Um, Number two, I invited this kid to my birthday party, even though he didn't invite me to his party. And now we're friends. (laughs) Just That's like so that. Cute. Yeah, just like that. Mm-hmm. And and that is perhaps one of the things. I don't know what's going on in today's today, mm-hmm. but apparently this whole invite, non-invite thing is a real big deal. Mm-hmm. Like you, you see in the popular media that mm-hmm. it's a big deal whenever somebody doesn't get invited. And so you'll see like the police come and throw a birthday party for a child that nobody came. Oh, yeah, you know, yeah, you yeah. Things yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. And so how cool it is for, for a kid to seek out that person 
didn't invite me to his party, mm-hmm. yeah. but I know that he needs to be invited to mine. Yeah. I think I think Jeff that that if you had a motto, it will be you're always invited to my party. That's, 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 oh, that's wow. our Jeff Blackwell. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. The price is always right with Jeff. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Excellent. Uh, number three here uh, on the list. Almost every night, my brother is so annoying. I mean, he just won't stop talking right when I'm trying to go to sleep. He'll be popping me with a pillow, turning the light on and off, singing goofy songs really loud, and usually I just freak out and start yelling at him to shut up. But last night, I didn't. I showed mercy on him, and I just ignored him. <laughs> <laughs> I showed mercy on him. <laughs> I sh- yeah, I'm totally going to show mercy on you. Yeah. I, I almost read that as I shoved mercy on him. Well, it, <laughs> just yeah, shoved it on yeah. him. And yeah. he was real yeah. quiet after that. Yeah, it Although, it's important to say that virtue can be found mm-hmm. in knowing what not to do. Mm-hmm. And sometimes virtue can be found in ignoring sources of uh, trouble, right? Mm-hmm. Of, of uh, bringing us to the near occasion of sin. And so, yeah, that is an act of mercy to be able to say, I'm just going to let my brother do whatever he does to, to get wound down for sleep, but I'm not going to let it bother me. That's, it's got to be hard to yeah. do. Mm-hmm. Being mm-hmm. an only child, I never had that problem. Oh, I could tell you plenty of stories about, <laughs> yeah. it's, about it's mercy. Difficult. <laughs> it's difficult to be merciful. <laughs> Especially I would imagine having a sibling is difficult to be merciful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially when there's provocation. Uh, yeah, well, yes. And close proximity. Yeah. Right. You can't escape. You can't go anywhere. Well, there. Because family members always know how to push our buttons, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They know which button to push, the frequency with which to push it, and the best time of day in which to push it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so to be able to exercise mercy, uh, take lesson from that fourth grade CCD student. Yeah. Uh, and let's see, number four, uh, I wanted some popcorn in the cafeteria. And I got up to go to the counter at the same time as this other kid, and I really had a craving for popcorn, but the boy said, I forgot my lunch, and I only have enough money for a bag of popcorn because everything else costs more. So I said, oh, go ahead. You have the popcorn, and I'll get something else. He said, thank you, and I got ice cream. (laughs) That is a mercy (laughs) win-win. And I got an ice cream. To reward myself. (laughs) To reward myself. (laughs) 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 Kathleen, wait. Was this you? Yeah. (laughs) Yes. It was me and my students. Yeah, I went. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> go ahead. It does ring. It. it has. A, it rings true. Huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's that is a, a perfect example too of doing without something that you were craving. Huh? Mm-hmm. Uh, to be able to to forego an appetite is a great act of virtue, right? That would right. be called temperance, right? Ooh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Just, that's vocab word. My last test that I gave. Ah, so so uh, Chappelle students, I uh, hope you're watching because yep. you may have just gotten extra credit. Uh-huh. Oh, I like that. Yeah. So yeah, an act of mercy is exercising a great virtue, the virtue of temperance yeah. in this case. Yeah. Yeah. Who was it who said that uh, heroism is the boy who says he doesn't like pie when there's not enough to go around? Oh. I remember reading that mm-hmm. at some point in my life, and it just stuck with me. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. you think of little Jack Horner mm-hmm. sitting in a corner, eating his curds and whey. No Christmas pie. Oh. Eating Christmas pie. <laughs> that was Little Miss way. Muffet. Little Miss Muffet. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Either yeah. way. Yeah. <laughs> Either way. Uh-huh. <laughs> Number five. There's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. a pun for the day. Yeah. yeah. My mom says we should never throw out our clothes or shoes that don't fit us anymore because someone else can use them. So we bring big bags of clothes to the church when they're having a collection. And my mom also brought a lot of school supplies for the school supply collection in September. It was nice to think about poor kids getting the stuff that they needed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, and, and that's a wonderful lesson to teach early on, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. to be able to say that there are those who can do with what we would consider um, throw away, right? right. 
um, others would consider new. Others mm-hmm. would consider something beautiful and useful. And so that's uh, that's that's pure and simple charity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is the virtue of charity. You know, we had a. I'm always trying to find ways to kind of uh, challenge my students when it comes to drives, mm-hmm. because it's super. Like we had a, um, a Thanksgiving basket drive where we had a list of of things that you would want at your Thanksgiving dinner, and um, you know, and each student took one thing. You know, a, a box of of um, stuffing mix. Or, you know what? Mm-hmm. It was very small. Mm-hmm. And so I challenged them. They're juniors in high school. And I said, okay, girls, this is, what I, this is my challenge to you. I said, my first challenge is that when you get it, I want you to get something good, like the mm-hmm. good stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, don't just get something that's, that's right. Get the premium yeah, brand. And, get yeah. something that you would want to eat. I said, and number two, this is going to be maybe a little bit more challenging for you. I want you to spend your money on it. Mm-hmm. Oh. I want you to go to the store and I want you to spend your money on it. Maybe your mom's taking you, but don't just add it to her grocery list. Mm. Yeah. Make it something that really comes from you so you feel that that ownership and it's not just something, you know, that that not ownership of the item, but ownership mm-hmm. of the deed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that it it, it maybe what none of these items cost more than 2 or 3 dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, but that it was intentional. Right. Uh, so I'm constantly trying to find ways to, when it comes to things like this, you know, clean out your closet and do all this kind of stuff, but but go for something a little bit deeper. Yeah. You know? That's beautiful. I was Especially because, act- oh, I'm sorry. No, Especially because, I mean, people think about giving away their clothes as like giving away things that they don't yeah. want. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's so much more difficult and it's so much more of an act of love to give someone something that you really cherish. Right. Yep. So, you know, when you when you bake a loaf of bread for someone or when you buy something uh, at the store for someone mm-hmm. that you actually really like, it becomes even kind of a sacrifice for you because there's usually a thought in your mind like, well, maybe I could keep this, you right. know, like I like this. Yeah. But it's, it's truly a sacrifice to give it away because you see value in it mm-hmm. and to give it to someone else saying, I see value in you because I want you to have this. Right. Right. And that's so, so crucial. And that's the crux of showing mercy is showing the other person that they are in fact loved mm-hmm. and they have dignity as a person. You know, that's really what it's all wound up again. And if you think about it, uh, exercising virtue, that's what it's all about. The Lord reminding us that we are in fact his people, his chosen people, each one of us. And because we are his chosen people, a kingdom of priests, a royal nation, people set apart, a people for the Lord's own, then we are called to extend that that royalty to others, you know. Yeah, that's really the message of Christ the King too, is uh, he reaches out from the throne of the cross, so that we are drawn up into his royalty, into the royal family, and then we can become those apostles, those instruments of mercy. And so, uh, mm-hmm. a fourth grader can teach us about that, mm-hmm. and then of course uh, we can go from there, right? That's the whole. The holy doors were closed, but now our hearts are open. Hopefully, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's. That's, that's a beautiful thing. Well, I tell you, uh, we, we, we move from that to a little reminder, because we know that you need it sometimes. Uh, we are the Catholic Underground. Oh, yeah. We are, we are the Catholic Underground. No, I don't know. You're can listening I, can to I get us. a screenshot of that face? Oh, I, I, there, there were, we could do some animated gifts later. Yes. For those of you who are listening Love to us it. live. Uh, we're online at catholicunderground.tv, and we are also on Facebook uh, as well. Facebook.com slash Catholic Underground if you want to watch the live show as we're doing it. I'm Father Chris Decker. Jeff Blackwell joins us from space. Mm. Yeah. Olivia Galino joins us from well, right over there. Right. And Kathleen's right next to her. Yeah. And our picks of the week are, in fact, coming up. But first, but first, it is possible 
to write your way out of an emotional funk. And we all get there. Yes. Yeah, it is. Do you guys journal? Like, do you do you journal at all? or? I journal intermittently. Okay. Yeah. I usually journal journal in, like, crisis situations. Like, right, <laughs> yeah, to get, exactly. Not every, not every day, mm-hmm. but when things are really bad, then I just, I gotta, I gotta write it down. Well, you, my friends, are in luck. What is that? Oh. I brought, I brought, Visually, I brought my yeah. journal. It's kind of a journal. It's yeah. A, yeah. And then also my oh, drawing journal. Yeah. See, one, Does it say, one, this is, one says sketch and the other says write. Actually, yeah. it says sketchy. Sketchy. Yes. <laughs> Put a Y on it. That's okay, awesome. So, so anyway. Well, um, a professor at the University of Texas, Dr. James Pennebaker. Mm-hmm. Um, he awesome used, name. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's pretty. I mean, that's nice. Yeah. Sounds like something from Harry Potter. It does. Mm-hmm. Could anyway. be. Okay. Well, he used insight from his own life uh, to inspire 40 years of research that looked at the connection between writing and emotional processing. And so it all started uh, three years into his marriage. Um, they, he and his wife started uh, to kind of question their relationship. Um, and, and after mm-hmm. this, he was, he was really confused about where they were, what was going on, and um, really unsettled. And he sank into a depression. Which I mean, big crises like that might, you know, might send us into times yeah, of despair sure. and, yeah. and depression. And uh, one morning, about a month into this funk, right, he climbed out of bed. He sat down at a uh, a typewriter. For those of you who do not know, it's a pre-computer. Uh, <laughs> I actually had a pre-computer. It was called Pre-Computer One Thousand, and it came after my typewriter. I had a royal typewriter. I wish I still oh, had it. I wish oh. you did too. I do like the sound of a... I don't know where it is. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Somewhere. We, yeah. For a while, he stared at the machine, just wondering what to do. Um, and then he began to start writing, just freely and honestly, um, about his marriage, uh, about his parents, about his own sexuality, about his career, and even about death. So mm-hmm. all these big topics, he just started to write about it without abandonment, without any boundaries. Mainly you think about like famous people doing this and we right. call it their memoirs, mm-hmm. you know, their biography, autobiography. But yeah. any ordinary or not so ordinary person can just take up a pen. Right. Mm-hmm. And so he wrote and he continued to write for a few days and then something awesome happened. Um, he, um, the depression lifted and he, he felt what he described as being liberated mm-hmm. from this this moment of life that was had previously been um, overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Um, he began to reconnect with the deep love that he has for his wife, uh, which is pretty cool. And then for the first time, he started to see the purpose and possibilities in his own life. He started to look beyond what, you know, because sometimes when we're in a state of depression or despair, we, we get stuck in that moment. Yeah. It's like being in Oftentimes, a... Oftentimes, very in much a, so. And we, we look inward and we don't ever look past the moment. Mm-hmm. This is never going to end, mm-hmm. right? But, but this really opened him up to what could come from this. Um, and so his own experience, like I said, sparked 40 years, 40 years of research linking writing and emotional processing. And so he had um, a whole bunch of studies, and in each study he would have two groups. So one group, um, they w- he would ask them to write on emotionally significant experiences, right? Um, and then the other groups wrote about common things like mm-hmm. their shoes or the cars passing by or mm-hmm. what they ate for lunch. Yep. Um, and they wrote for the same time in each in each. Um, Experiment. They wrote yep. for the same time, about twenty minutes. Uh, so this th- is how you get the, the the parameters for the experiment, right, right? Right. So they would they both groups, everybody in in all groups would write for about twenty minutes for three days in a row, and then they would look at what came from it. Okay. And so so they'd reflect on what happened while they were writing. Yeah. And yeah. The subjects, so what happened yeah. to to the subjects? Yeah. And he said that those who wrote about emotionally charged experiences had notable improvement both in their physical and their mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, he said 
those who, who wrote, you know, with, with emotion um, were happier. They were less depressed, less anxious. Um, all these things, you know, were just diminished. Mm-hmm. Um, and then months later, he would come back and see, you know, how they were doing. And, and they uh, reported lower blood pressure, improved mm-hmm. immune function, or they weren't getting sick all the time, uh, and fewer doctor visits. Mm-hmm. And that's something like, like I never knew that your mental state could affect your 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 physical state. Oh so yes, much. child. Like mm-hmm. I remember when my grandmother passed away. My grandfather was very sick for a long time, you know, and he mm-hmm. kept going to the doctors, and they were like, "We have no idea. There's not like he's just sick all the time." And then he um, met a woman <laughs> who had, who had also lost her husband, and they both were kind of in the same funk, and yep. it just the next day, literally fine mm-hmm. out the door going you know all around town yep awesome mm-hmm. uh, but they, they also reported better relationships uh improved memory uh, and more success at work mm-hmm. which we could all use i think jeff over there in space uh, <laughs> needs a journal we'll yeah. send you one up on the uh, on that on that bank uh, bottle rocket you right. know, like, <laughs> at the bank yeah yeah so some of the things that his subjects wrote about were intensely personal um, and emotional topics such as some wrote about sexual abuse by once trusted family members, mm-hmm. um, uh, catastrophic failures in their own life, mm-hmm. uh, devastating losses of their deepest relationships through things like breakups or illness or death. Mm-hmm. Um, one woman wrote about feelings of responsibility she had after her own grandmother's death. Mm-hmm. Um, and another man wrote about um, about a warm summer day oh. where he was like, man, this is great. And then his his dad very calmly, they were sitting, you know, out in their yard. Very calmly, came out and told him that children were having having children was one of the biggest mistakes he had ever made, and that he was leaving. That's oh terrible. my! And so he 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 emoted this idea that he felt very. It was a beautiful day. Yeah. Um. But what had happened was so. That's right, and so we so juxtaposed so there's a, to that. a disconnect with the beauty yeah. of the day mm-hmm. and the 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 horror of, of right. having to undergo that kind of yeah. trauma. Yeah, and he, he, he talked about one of his uh, most persuasive studies. They worked, involved a, a Dallas commu- computer, excuse me, a Dallas computer company that laid off 100 of their senior engineers. Mm. And so most of these men were over the age of 50. Um, and so, and they had worked in this one place since college. They'd yeah. worked in the same field since college. So there college. was investment. Yeah, and so it was the only work that they knew. Um, and getting them, pu- getting pushed out of this job made them panic. Yeah. Um, I feel a lot of anxiety and confusion. Um, and some of them faced a real likelihood of never working in this field again that they had worked in yeah. since their before. Right, they felt some, like they were at the end of the road. Right, probably. some before mm-hmm. they were twenty, you know, before they were even twenty. Um, so one group he asked to he asked them to write the whole all of them, and one group uh, was asked to write about being laid off, um, and they delved into feelings of humiliation, mm-hmm. rejection, and outrage. Uh, they related strains on their health. Um, their, on their marriages, on their finances, uh, and deep worries about the future. So it was coming yeah. next. Like they're 50. What, are, what, are, how do I, do I start again? I don't know. Right. And the, um, the control groups, he asks them to write about, uh, time management. Yeah. And so, and the other time, the other group, he didn't ask to write at all. So they didn't have any, yeah. they didn't no reflection for you. Yeah. That's they don't right. get to express or whatever. Uh, so before they wrote, there were, he noted there were no differences in the groups uh, in terms of motivation or effort to land a new job. Mm-hmm. But after, um, he said the change was astonishing. Uh, months later, after that group who had wrote with, with emotions, 
right? Those men um, were three times more likely to be reemployed mm-hmm. than the groups that didn't, Because they were ready right? to go back out right. into the field. They yeah. had processed it, right? They had, they had, you know, processed what was going on and moved on. Mm-hmm. Um, it helped them process their experiences, um, step out of their despondent despair, that, that, uh, depression, yep. um, and and this this action, this moving forward. That's right. Um, in fact, uh, uh, Clayton in the chat room says, it's not uncommon to hear a blues guitarist tell you, I can't afford a psychiatrist, so I play the blues. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, this notion of writing down yes. what's going on. And uh, and Tom in the chat says that they encourage cancer patients to keep a journal mm-hmm. when they go through chemotherapy to right. be able to process some of this stuff. Well, when you're, when you're physically, like when you're emotionally better, you you become physically better. And so I, yep. I can see how people who are struggling with disease, that helps them That's right. to be motivated. Mm-hmm. So so there are some, some rules for this if you want to yes. try this, right? Yeah, so if you want to try this, if you're ever at a time where you're like, I don't, I don't know about this um, life stuff, um, <laughs> there are a few things that uh, Dr. Pennebaker says are writing rules. So first, set a timer for 20 minutes and open up your notebook or yep. um, a Word document or whatever. Um, and then when the timer starts, begin writing about your emotional experiences from the week, from the month, from the year. Don't worry about punctuation. Don't worry about handwriting. Just Don't get even it done. worry if it's coherent. Free write. Um, wherever, you, wherever your mind takes you, write it down. And then he says, write just for yourself, not for an eventual reader. So mm-hmm. many times I write in my journal thinking when that someone's going to read this, this yeah. mm-hmm. and, and judge me. And, you know, and so I, so I uh, censor myself. Right. Right? But he says, do this for a few days and then close the document uh, without saving it or throw the paper away. Or stick it in a bottle and cast it out to sea. Mm-hmm. Um, or if you're ready, start a blog. Or find a literary agent mm-hmm. and, and publish, publish it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but let it go is what yep. he's saying. Yep. Um, the point is that those thoughts are now um, out of you and on the page. It's a physical um, separation. Yeah. And you become the process of stepping out uh, from your experience to gain perspective on it. That's what you want. You want to be able to put it out there, maybe reflect on it, yep. get some perspective on what's going on in your life, and then move on mm-hmm. and let it go. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that this is great for for any time that you're just in a funk, you're feeling a little depressed, you're a little confused about life issues, write it down, get it out, and then what's most important, move on. Mm-hmm. That's right, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and um, one of the things that I do whenever I write, sometimes I'll, I'll write things that, uh, that are very much like this, mm-hmm. but then I will also spin some of it into fiction writing. Mm-hmm. So, oh. uh, so uh, a graphic novel that I probably will never finish. Uh, is, <laughs> hey, hey, is, now. Yeah, maybe, maybe, I hope, I hope. I have a goal to finish it. You have hope. But there you go, yeah. We are people of hope. Yes. So I think this is a great idea. Mm-hmm. Jeff, do you write it all? I, I, I really don't. I, the, the few times I have journaled, uh, a friend told me to, uh, you have like uh, dreams and stuff. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. Write it down. I, I did that for a few years, but. Uh, just got too weird. That's all right. I want people reading them. I, I understand. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> dreams are dreams are private things. Yeah. Especially this psychedelic dream that is the Catholic Underground. <laughs> Stick right here with us. We'll be right back. We're the Catholic Underground. A prayer for vocations. O God, who wills not the death of a sinner, but rather that he be converted and live, grant we beseech you through the intercession of the Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, Saint Joseph her spouse, and all the saints, an increase of laborers for your church, fellow laborers with Christ, to spend and consume themselves for souls. Through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, 
who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Welcome back. You found the Catholic Underground with me, Father Chris Decker, joined by Livy Galino, Kathleen Lee, Jeff Blackwell, Ed and Katie are in the video cave. Our picks of the week are, in fact, coming up. But first, it's been a tough election season. Yeah. And uh, we have finally been deposited on the other end of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, no matter what end of it you find yourself uh, on now, you know, having, um, having voted, um, there is importance to finding hope where mm-hmm. we are. Right. Mm-hmm. So again, um, there's hopefully hope in any candidate, but there is always uh, trepidation whenever a, a new person is elected. You mm-hmm. know, and so we thought that that uh, maybe we would would stir this together. Last segment we talked about writing ourselves out of a personal funk, right? Mm-hmm. So now perhaps we can unleash an option to move our whole country away from this uh, funky election. We call it perhaps the Francis option. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pope Francis uh, certainly widely acclaimed. Um, for for going out and reaching the people, huh? kind of uh, being with the people. In fact, Pope Benedict talks about that in his latest book. We'll talk about that in a second. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so the Francis option. The Francis option. And you may have heard of the Benedict option. Yeah. Um, not taken after Pope Emeritus, Pope Benedict, although I'm... He would mm. probably agree with us. Yeah. But um, thinking back to Benedict, Saint like Benedict. Saint Benedict, like Benedict in monasteries. That's right. Um, and the so the Benedict option was withdraw. Right. And, and collect. preserve yeah. preserve what we have, preserve our tradition, um, and kind of keep it safe from the, the impending dangers of the world. Yeah. Francis' option is almost the inverse of that, saying it's time now to go out into the world uh, and to be a witness. And that's that's what Pope Francis is, um, is advocating, and that's why we, they're calling this the Francis option. Mm-hmm. Um, and so no matter how you voted, our job as Catholics is clear. We are called to seize the moment and to be Christ to other people. Absolutely. And in being Christ to other people, drawing them to Christ himself. And that's really the crux of the Francis option. Mm-hmm. Um, so the point being that it's time now to start rebuilding after this messy election. Now you have like people like St. Francis himself who went out and started to rebuild the church. You know, he had that vision from the cross right. of San Damiano saying, rebuild my church. And at he, first he began doing physically right. by rebricking the place, mm-hmm. but then... Uh, with the Holy Father, he begins to see that there's something even bigger, that it's a going out. Mm-hmm. That's the rebuilding. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So after this election, I'm sure you're familiar with the disgust and the, the, the feelings of downtroddenness that people are, are experiencing, whatever your experience of the election may be. Uh, and that's not for us to say. The Francis option is what's important because it calls us to be witnesses, witnesses, mm-hmm. That's right. uh, and witnesses to each other and witnesses to the world. That's right. I remember a couple of weeks ago, the gospel uh, talked about, um, you know, you'll be led before magistrates, you'll be led before governors, you'll be led and handed over by your own family members, but don't be afraid uh, and don't think about what you were going to say. The Holy Spirit will put words yeah. upon your mouth and it will lead to you giving testimony, mm-hmm. to being a witness. That's more than anything what a Christian is. We are a witness in the world that there is something bigger mm-hmm. that we live for. Mm-hmm. And that's hopefully what we steer our societies towards. Right. You know? 
Yeah, so to take the words right out of Pope Francis's mouth, he says, today's world stands in great need of witnesses, which is what we're saying. Not so much of teachers, but rather of witnesses, saying it's not so much about speaking, but rather speaking with our whole lives, living consistently, the very consistency of our lives. This consistency means living Christianity as an encounter with Jesus that brings me to others, not just as a social label. Mm. He says witness is what counts. Right. And I think you see that a lot in in modern evangelization movements, this this call for encounter. Mm-hmm. Um, and not to say that it, he says that, you know, not so much of teachers, but rather of witnesses, not to say that teaching isn't important, because mm-hmm. obviously we need the substance of our faith. We yeah. need the articles of faith to be presented clearly and adequately and accurately uh, so people know what they believe and what they're assenting to when they say we believe in uh, in, in the creed in church sure. at Mass. But but that witness is what matters, too. We can't mm-hmm. just say the words. We have to act on them. That's right. I um, mean, thinking about, uh, was it St. Irenaeus, like, um, uh, like man most fully alive, uh, I can't remember right now, but the glory of God, the glory of is God man is man fully, fully alive. alive. There you go. Um, so if we are to be witnesses on earth and what, thinking about what we're witnessing to, we're witnessing to Christ, we're witnessing to the life that we're intended for, mm-hmm. uh, which is not this life. That's this right. life is a, is a pilgrim journey. So mm-hmm. by living our lives in a Christ-like manner, we're pointing towards heaven and saying, nope, that's what we're going towards. That's right. Um, and so if we're fully alive, then we're pointing towards that life and that gives God glory. Um, and it so reminds it's, me of St. James's letter, right? He mm-hmm. says in James 1, chapter, uh, chapter 1, verse 22, he says, Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deluding yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his own face in a mirror. He sees himself and then goes off promptly and forgets what he looked like. Mm-hmm. But the one who peers into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres, and is not a hearer, but who forgets, who forgets, but a doer who acts, such a one will be blessed in what he does. Mm-hmm. And we're blessed not because the Lord says, oh, you're a doer of the word, here's $6,000, <laughs> but because of the encounter, we are encountering another. Mm-hmm. And so we begin to see not just a mirror with our own face, but we see Christ. We mm-hmm. see the face of Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's what yeah. blessing is, to come into contact with Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, as a, as a teacher too, as an actual teacher, <laughs> um, I've definitely seen this... Uh, seeing this in my own teaching if all i ever do is say the words and say okay just get yeah. this for the test let's go let's move on um it's horrible <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, and the kids are like i don't know like uh, mm-hmm. you know but you have to live it and they're they watch you Ooh, yeah. you know they're watching you i mean my students watch me which is i mean you know i'm sure your parishioners are watching you know, like those who my family watches me you know those of us who work in the church we're we are eyes on you know if and if we don't if we aren't doers of the word right um then there's a lot of damage that can be done absolutely and i feel like especially as part of that young adult kind of generation Mm -hmm. i've noticed more in mass i feel i mean not in a creepy way but like i feel like i'm being watched yeah and i I, more often than not i feel like it's the the high school age people i can like sense looking at me uh you were right yeah and it's it's very humbling because you realize like oh shoot i gotta be a role model that's right yeah. Because they're they're saying how ought I to be, mm-hmm. and and our younger generations have not necessarily had their parents to teach them, have right. not necessarily had anything other than society to teach them what they are supposed to be. Yeah. And if they're at mass and they see someone a little bit older than they are, then you can bet yes, they're looking at you mm-hmm. absolutely. And so to to encounter them, 
really just by by being appropriately pious at mass, mm-hmm. right? The, that's that's the thing. Uh, piety is is recognizing that I must give God what is due to Him, mm-hmm. and that means that I'm engaged, I'm active in my participation, I'm conscious. And part of that consciousness is also trying to draw people into the worship that I'm offering God. It isn't just the priest that does that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's everybody seated in the pews are intending to draw everyone with them up to the Lord. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and encounter also means, you know, when you're out in, in society, in the world, and you're encountering people, we think of that word just as like, oh, I happened to meet this person, and they mm-hmm. were a cursory part of my day and my life, when really every little encounter that's given to us with the lady in line behind us at the grocery yep. store or at the ATM or in the shoe store, whatever the case mm-hmm. may be. The, these are all opportunities given to us to be a witness, right. not to say that you have to start handing them pamphlets no. or pull out your Bible. Mm-hmm. In fact, you probably Quite better not do that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, But just being Christ to other people, being a light mm-hmm. and being light involves being joy, That's right. being joyful. And so when you're a joyful, authentic Christian, people notice that. They yeah. see that and they, they think, I want to be like that. That's right. And so even if they don't ask you questions of, you know, are you saved or are what's your faith like? Mm-hmm. Or they, they, chances are they probably won't ask these questions, but they'll take notice in how you live your life and they'll intuit who yep. you are. That's right. Um, and that's what... Um, what we're saying is part of the Francis option is that's how the world will change. You know, we look at the world as it is and we get frustrated because it seems so dismal, like things mm-hmm. seem really bad. And mm-hmm. and this election cycle is just kind of proof of that. But when you want a world to embrace faith, the way to do it is not to, to pontificate and just kind of like scream down people's throats. The mm-hmm. way to do it is to be joyful and authentic witnesses. That's right. It happened to me at the supermarket last night. I was going to pick up... Uh, some chicken because I had some fennel. I finally found fennel. <laughs> Congratulations. It's taken me forever to find it in my locale. But I found some fennel. I was going to get some chicken and I was walking out and there were a couple of guys that were uh, doing a little fundraiser outside the, the market. And uh, he says, I have some questions for you. And I said, I know that you do because I could see it on your face <laughs> when I was walking in. He goes, yeah, so so uh, you're Catholic, right? I said, yeah, and Christian. He goes, what's the deal with all that? And so just being able to be joyful Mm-hmm. Um, was the impetus for a sharing of an encounter of faith, mm-hmm. you know? And then he talked about, actually, as part of the conversation, what's with some people who who are kind of mean with mm-hmm. their, you know, faith mm-hmm. and everything? Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, well, let's, let's talk about that. So mm-hmm. we talked about the difference between being a joyful Christian and one who kind of, you know, hits you over the head with a, yeah. with a blackjack, as yeah. it were, you know? Yeah, and I love that because it was your joy that gave him courage mm-hmm. to even ask you those questions. Yeah. Those he questions. caught me on a, in a good moment, you know, right, where I was, yeah. I was thinking about food. <laughs> so there was joy I'm so there. happy fennel seeds. Yeah, <laughs> he caught you in a fennel seed moment. He did. Yeah, so I mean, it's understandable that after the election, people are wanting, they want policies that promote goodness and truth. Like we're in a hopeful state, you know, the, there's, a, there's a change in the tide of, of our politics, but also in our world, you can really see a shift happening. And we look to politics maybe more often than we should for those kinds of things when the Francis option offers just as good or I would say better mm-hmm. uh, of an option to, for how to live our lives in a responsible way. So you look at our politics, they kind of become bankrupt. And if that wasn't clear before, you have the astonishing flaws, as Archbishop Chaput put it, mm-hmm. of this year's candidates that make that even clearer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it seems like a 
dare from fate to both parties saying just how many of your principles are you willing to sacrifice right. uh, to, to support a vote. candidate. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and that's that's something that I think a lot of people felt threatened with this election cycle mm-hmm. more than in the past. On both sides of the mm-hmm. aisle. On both uh, yeah. sides of the aisle yeah. and even in the in the third party candidates. Yep. So Pope Francis's words really spell out what a family-centered political vision looks like. Mm-hmm. And I know it seems a little, you, you know, you might be bristling at the fact of like, oh, the church is talking about politics. Mm-hmm. Well, let's go back to the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. First of all, God is our king. We learn that today is, is the feast of, of Christ, the mm-hmm. king of the universe. So God is our rightful king. Mm-hmm. And even when the people clamored for a, a king to rule them, it was still a, a theocracy. Right. Uh, God was always at the center of that. You know, the tabernacle was right next to David's house. And that was the central locus right. of their of their city of their of their kingdom, uh, and so Christ is the new David. He is our king. So we, theocracy is really the way to go, people. <laughs> but I will save that for another day. So looking at what Pope Francis says about politics in our modern world, he calls for first of all an economy that's focused on consumer value, jobs for families rather than this empty consumerist appeal for the sake of stock prices. So basically that idea of encounter again, like treat people as people, not as dollar signs, Mm -hmm. or what are you worth to me? Essentially human livestock, right? Exactly. Oh, that's a great way to put it. Um, He also models true compassion to homosexual and transgender people Mm -hmm. in place of false charity of gender ideology. So we have these, these ideas in our mind that that gender is something malleable, that it's something that we can that we can choose. And that's really an ideology that's been placed in our society irresponsibly. Mm-hmm. And it confuses people. But that doesn't mean that we have to go around, like I said, pontificating against people. We no. have to always start from compassion. That's right. Always start from love. That's right. Because if you think about it, if you've ever encountered people that, that um, experience this, this particular issue, um, oftentimes, especially when they come to, to a priest, they'll say, I know the church doesn't like dot, 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 you know, mm-hmm. to which I will say, well, the, the the church should not enter into this conversation yet, right? Because, you know, right now I'm talking with you, mm-hmm. you're talking with me. Yeah. Uh, let's encounter each other. Mm-hmm. And then I might be able to share with you why the church would teach what she does. And probably it isn't what you've heard, right. you know, mm-hmm. and that's, that's part of, that's part of all of that, that encounter. If they see you as a person who is open, a person of joy, and a person who's not, you know, well, blah, 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 yeah. you know, then then that changes things. You mm-hmm. can have an encounter and you can welcome people into a family, a larger family mm-hmm. than perhaps the one that was very difficult for them. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. And it allows you to accompany that person. Yep. That's something that's mm-hmm. so big for Pope Francis, too, is accompaniment. So you encounter someone. Don't just you can't just leave them be once you encounter them. It's, it's our job as Christians, as witnesses to encounter people uh, and but also to accompany them on their journey towards yep. faith, towards healing, towards Christ himself, if they don't know him. You know, so these are all really important things to keep in mind mm-hmm. in our in, in everyday interactions uh, because they're all encounters and they're all calls to accompaniment. So more on, on Pope Francis's kind of quasi-political vision. Looking at peace, we think of world peace as something that's almost unattainable. Yeah. Uh, just looking at the state of our world today, is like, well, I mean, we pray for world peace, but is it ever really going to happen? That's right. It's, and, it's a beauty pageant wish. Exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, oh man, that makes me think of this congenial. world peace. World peace. Oh. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it turns out... It turns out that Pope Francis says that peace is no more a pipe dream than it was in Poland in uh, right. the mid-20th century. Or East Germany. Exactly. Or yeah. Russia. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, think of think of uh, JP2's Poland that he grew up in and mm-hmm. transformed yeah. um, from the grips of communism. That's right. Now celebrating, I forget how many years of being consecrated to Christ the King, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. to the sacred heart of Jesus. In the span of a century. In the less span than, of a century. That's less right. than a century. Wow. So there's always hope for peace, especially for peace, because uh, as Christ says in, uh, or the priest says in Persona Christi in the Mass, you know, my peace I give to you. Mm-hmm. It's it's a true gift. It's not an that's illusion. Right. And it's a peace that's not worldly peace, where it was just an absence of nothing happening, right? Mm-hmm. It's nothing. Ha- no, the peace of Christ that compels us, especially at that point in the Mass, is a peace that is overwhelming. Mm-hmm. It is a peace that is grace-filled. It is a peace that allows us to enter into communion with him, which is what we do right after that exchange of the sign of peace. Mm-hmm. I often tell people that, like when you're shaking hands with people, that is, that, that's an outward symbol uh, of, of perhaps earthly peace, but it's supposed to be an outward symbol of the deeper peace of Christ, mm-hmm. right? That, that the peace of Christ that has rested upon me in this moment, I wish to share with you. And that is what brings unity in this moment so that we can go to the altar together, mm-hmm. you know, and receive communion with our God because we ourselves are in communion in him and through him because he holds all things together in himself. Mm. I believe that's St. Paul's letter yeah. Amen. that we read here. Yeah. Mm. yeah, Very cool. So it's being on the note of, of human dignity. We can also say that Pope Francis is passionately pro-life yep. and pro-woman. Yep. Um, and these from conception to natural death. Mm-hmm. Uh, so being pro-life is is more about human dignity than it is about being anti-something else. Right. Uh, and it's the same with being pro-woman. Um, and I think Pope Francis is doing a, a really fantastic job of calling attention to the rights of women and the true rights of women. Yes. Um, and even when he, he gave a speech, I love this too, to women theologians, I think in 2014, and he calls them to a greater involvement in the theology of the church, specifically in, in academic, but also in their encounter with their communities and solving the problems of the church. And he tells, he tells them that, that they really have an insight and an intuition into what's going on in the margins. Yeah. And he tells them like, how important that is that they that they be those witnesses and that they they address those problems as women that's right your Uh, natural inclination to to motherhood joined with theological study mm -hmm. allows you to be uh, in in a sense an image of our lady Mm -hmm. for for the margins for the world and uh, which by the way uh, Jeff I'm I'm happy to say that that uh, Olivia and Kathleen are two theologians that happen to be uh, joined unto us. And I, in fact, yeah. I am a theologian. You are, that's, that's right. Here. And, uh, yes. and Olivia will be a, a credentialed one shortly. God willing. God, God. <laughs> I think God wills it. I oh, hope God wills it. Absolutely. We'll yes. see. TBD. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, TBD. TBD. But also, Pope Francis, he, he, you've probably heard this in the news, but he's, he's all about welcoming immigrants uh, into, in the way that Jesus Christ opens his arms to them uh, in the church, but yeah. opening them in, in our cultures and our, in our societies and not turning our backs on their problems. Um, and really, he wants to transform uh, the world's respect for nature uh, into a respect for human nature. So yeah. he, his, his environmental concerns are really concerned with with human dignity as a whole. And I think that's, if you're drilling down to the point of, of any of these policies that we've listed, it's really, they're not specific economic policies, they're not specific political policies, but they're all about human dignity. And that's our starting point, that's our end point. Uh, and that, that's what we really should be focusing on. That's right, and there's tremendous healing that can take place from that. There is, yeah. And I, I think that there's a significant metaphor that Pope Francis sees the church as a field hospital after battle. Yeah. Um, so if, when we're looking for healing, 
so oftentimes we go looking for it in in politics in our general mm -hmm. society we think oh if we just make a law or if we add an amendment or if we take this away yeah then then it'll be solved or at least we'll be on the way to having it solved and really that's just not the case because the civil society is not the end-all be-all of our existence you know that's that's marxism that's not catholicism right so it, when we're looking for healing we have to turn to the one who heals and that's right. christ and that's his right. church uh, william butler, butler yates whom i quoted in my homily this morning oh. things fall apart the center cannot hold if we're looking for all those other centers that are not christ then ultimately they will fly apart they can't hold all the pins together mm -hmm. but christ because of his uh, standing as slain and his ability to redeem though wounded. That is what holds all the pins together. In him, everything continues in being. Mm. And that's why we are part of his body, his mystical body, the church. Mm. Yeah, mic drop. Actually, don't drop the no, mic. No, don't drop that one. Yeah, so so uh, yeah. pretty. So yeah, in fact, uh, Pope Francis put it this way, right? That's right. He said, there is an urgent need to see once again that faith is a light. For once the faith of flame, the flame of faith dies out, all other lights begin to dim. The light of faith is unique since it is capable of illuminating every aspect of human existence. This light, a light this powerful, cannot come from ourselves, but from a more primordial source. In the word, in a word, sorry, it must come from God. That's right. That's the source of all light, but especially the light that transforms. That's right. So the Benedict option shields the flame of faith from harsh winds, but the Francis option sets fire everywhere so that the wind would fan it into flame. Mm. My goodness, one of the things that we want to fan into flame is that part of the show that we like to call the CU Pick of the Week. And for our first CU Pick of the Week, uh, we're going to go right over to Kathleen. Kathleen, yes, your Pick indeed. of the Week. indeed. Well, the holidays are upon us. Yes, they are. And you know me. Uh, we do. I yes. am a gift giver. She is a giver of gifts. I love giving the gifts. Now, for the holiday season, it's always important to me to give a gift that is meaningful. Yep. Um, I, I don't like to give gift cards. I loathe it with all... If I give you a gift card, it means that I'm probably sick. You should check, <laughs> me. You should check on me. Kathleen, um, gift giving in absentia. No. A gift card to the California Pizza Kitchen. Nope, nope. You can give me a gift card all you want. That'd be awesome. <laughs> but... Um, as a gift giver, I try to find things that are meaningful for that person. Yep. And what I've tried to do in the past couple of years is also find things that I can buy um, yep. that are not just manufactured in a warehouse somewhere by, mm -hmm. you know, some people mm -hmm. to find that they are coming from someplace that I can also help by purchasing this. Yep. This is called uh, fair trade. Mm -hmm. um, and so there are a lot of uh, companies out there. So I've decided that from now, because Black Friday is upon us, and it is, very, it is very dark for some people because mm -hmm. it's just a bad day. Anyway, from now until the holidays, until Christmas, um, I will be giving you Kathleen's gift giving guide oh get I excited like this. Yes. places where you can shop in order to give back to that place that you are are uh, shopping with a themed mm -hmm. pick of the week I that's like right it. stay so tuned my folks. first one is um catholic relief services fair trade um you can go on their website crs fair trade and it gives you all kinds of things chocolate coffee earrings mittens scarves all kinds of things bags i would um, like chocolate mittens yeah <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
that you can buy and then it tells you where it comes from i'm mm-hmm. um, usually um a, a program uh set up in a third world country where these people are making these items they're handmade um in order to raise money for themselves in order to um you know mm-hmm. boost their economy um it's it's cool. it's great and it's, it's a catholic organization so crs fair trade is your gift giving guide numero uno and Olivia is obviously uh, trying to figure out some gadget stuff for your pick of the week. Yes. Well, recently I had actually Katie the Cat Lady uh, asked me Shout for out. for uh, help with identifying what's a good place to look for uh, a, sp- a new computer or a new phone. And uh, I have some sites that I've looked at. Actually, this is my pick of the week is thewirecutter.com. Um, we'll put the link in the show notes. And it's actually where I did my research to buy my lovely computer, mm-hmm. which I have to say I am two thumbs up, happy about. Yep. Um, but it's it's similar, if you were listening a few weeks ago, I, my pick of the week was the Sweet Home, and that was basically this for home gifts or, or you know, appliances, that kind of thing. So this is best gadgets, so like cameras, TVs, for people who don't want to take a lot of time figuring out what's the best thing to get. I just want you to tell me without mm-hmm. me having to do hours of research. Mm-hmm. I get that, and these people get that too. It's nice to have a free version of Consumer Reports. Yes, basi- <laughs> it's, it's basically a, an updated version of Consumer Reports, and it's on the internet, and it's free at all times. So any kind of category you can imagine, best Christmas lights, best wireless headphones, they even do cars, best compact crossover SUV. Hmm. That specific. I see Jeff Blackwell actually writing this down. Uh, <laughs> Jeff Blackwell, how about your pick of the week over there? Yeah, I, I, okay, let's see here. I have a soft spot for uh, commercials that say everything without really saying a lot. So mm-hmm. uh, that's the case with Amazon's new commercial, which debuted November 17th. It's called Old Friends, a Muslim and a priest mm-hmm. with a common problem that gets mm. resolved with the help of Amazon. It's uh, it's pretty cool uh, commercial. EpicPew.com uh, calls it the best commercial of the Christmas season. But wait, there's yeah. more. There's I more. A, more. I have a bonus. More. Pick, Pick of, of the week. week. Oh. Uh, also, speaking of old friends, I saw this yesterday. ESPN uh, a story November 19th about a 106-year-old statistician. Oh, my. Dr. John Risher is a retired physician. Um and he is uh, an alum of the University of Virginia. He's an inspiration. Uh, he still drives. He needs no walking cane. He's got 20-20 vision with uh, his eyeglasses. And I'll have the clip at uh, CatholicUnderground.tv. Wow. So, nice. uh, My goodness, those, yeah. So. I hope that when I'm an old priest, I still have 20-20 vision with my eyeglasses. Because, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I don't want to lose the ability to read yeah, you know, Pope Benedict yeah. is uh, is blind in one of his eyes, mm. and he oh, has been okay. for some time. And that leads me to my pick of the week. Uh, I haven't finished it yet, but I'm going to go ahead and recommend it because it is just it's good to hear the Holy Father Emeritus's voice. Mm. Um, the The name of the book is Last Testament in his own words. This could likely be the time uh, the the last time that we will hear Pope Benedict speak. <laughs> Um, at least in a, in a kind of a public fashion, you know. Uh, we'll certainly see him because uh, Vatican Television and um, and Vatican Radio like to publish whenever he does things. But uh, this was this is kind of his last interview with Peter Sievold, who uh, has essentially been his biographer mm-hmm. uh, throughout a good deal of his pontificate. Started out as uh, kind of a uh, a pick a name from the hat interview, you know, and uh, and and he has he has gone back to Pope Benedict many times. And Pope Benedict has been very, very open with uh, his responses. And so right now I'm in the part of the book where they're going through uh, his resignation when the Holy Mm -hmm. Father Emeritus stepped down. And uh, just the candid stuff going on there 
Um, and, um, and, and it even, uh, he puts in little uh, brackets whenever the Holy Father emotes, so whenever he begins to cry and things mm-hmm. like that. And so it's, it's really good to hear Grandpa again. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, uh, and the reason I, I say that is uh, certainly not pejoratively, but I, I consider Pope Benedict XVI as a spiritual grandfather, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, may I be like the Christ child, just sitting and watching him work in his shop, you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so it's neat to see him in his shop this last time. Yeah. So my uh, pick of the week is Last Testament in his own words. And, um, and I'll put the, uh, the link there to Amazon. I believe you can get it in paperback, in hardcover, and uh, on your, your mm-hmm. mobile reading device. So it's a, good, it's a good way to kind of cozy up to Advent, too, because as you can imagine, whenever you're reading anything from, from the Holy Father, um, or the Holy Father Emeritus in this case, uh, it can be really good reading to prepare us for the season of preparation that is Advent. So mm-hmm. that's my pick of the week. If you have picks of the week, you can always uh, send them in to us, and we might feature it on a pick of the week or uh, as part of one of our Backchat segments, and you can do that by sending it in to backchat at catholicunderground.com. It's backchat at catholicunderground.com. Do you, do you know uh, that that comes from, I've probably said this before, but uh, that comes from FX uh, back whenever they made their television fresh daily. And, um, and mm-hmm. that was their email address. Mm-hmm. And I always thought it was really cool. Maybe it's because of the hard K sound on back the end. Chat. Yeah, exactly. Right. Back chat. Yeah. Back chat. Yeah. And so, um, <laughs> so we've appropriated it since FX doesn't do that anymore. I like it. Yeah. So uh, back chat at catholicunderground.com. And of course, Jeff, we are always very grateful uh, for those who support us, not only with their prayers, but also with your financial benefactoring. Absolutely. This week, Catholic Underground is possible because of people like you. Join the growing number of undergrounders at catholicunderground.com slash donate. Also, portions of the Catholic Underground are brought to you by audibletrial.com slash catholicunderground. That's audibletrial.com slash catholicunderground. And also by Mystic Monk Coffee. More information at catholicunderground.tv. That's right. I can smell that royal rum pecan from here over at Mystic Monk Coffee. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) If you'd like the show notes for this episode, if you want to subscribe to the podcast audio, if you want to see all the videos uh, from practically time immemorial, you can do that at catholicunderground.com. Our panelists this episode have been Kathleen Lee. She's the Faith Ninja. She's our Hope Samurai. Yes, indeed. At Kathleen YABR. Also, Olivia Galino. She's at OM Galino on the Twitter. Our technical director is Jeff Blackwell. He's at Jeff Blackwellus on Twitter and on the internet at jeffblackwell.us. Our research assistant and the leader of the crew in the lab is Jim Hayes. Our video director is Jeff Blackwell. Our graphics director has been Katie Richard. Ed has been on the video feeds there. And you know me. I am Father Chris Decker. You can follow me on Twitter at Digital Catholic, and I do wish you would. I'm almost at 10,000 followers. Isn't that crazy? That's crazy. I don't know. I mean, never thought I'd trend before. But anyway, we hope that we've helped you cut through the noise and find that still small voice. Advent's coming. We're the Catholic Underground. We're Faith Gone Digital, and we will see you next time.